I was asked by Pastor Gary to preach this morning on Mark chapter 13 as we go through our, continue our series in the gospel of Mark. But Thursday comes around and I'm just not feeling it. And so I asked, can I, can I switch gears? And he says, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do. So um, I felt led to look at a, just a short story for, our, for Thanksgiving coming up in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. All right, so starting in verse 1, I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says that all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, him being Jesus. Now, if you remember, the tax collectors are like the backstabbers. Uh, They were taking money from their own people, the Jewish people, and their job was to collect that money to give to the Gentile Roman government for taxes. And the Jews despised paying taxes. And not only were they taking taxes, money from their own people for the taxes. They were charging more than they had to, and they were profiting very well from it. And so they were the low of the lows. And then the sinners, of course, are people that were, you know, practicing immorality. And then, and what were they doing? They were approaching Jesus. Tim, uh, the apostle Paul says in his letter to his friend Timothy, his first letter in chapter six, he says, God, God the Father in his heavenly dwelling, that God lives, he dwells in unapproachable light. A metaphor for how deeply holy, how deeply righteous, how deeply good God is. And he goes on to say that no human being can or has seen God in his dwelling place. He's unapproachable as, you can, as, as, as the sun is unapproachable. If you got in a rocket ship and you headed for the sun, you get to 4.65 million miles away from the sun, and there would be this sound echoing through the universe, and it would be like this. That's it. Because at 4.6 million miles away from the sun, you would just burn up. The sun is unapproachable, burning at 9,930 degrees Fahrenheit approximately, and all that radiation coming off of it. But yet, God, being unapproachable in his dwelling as he, how so holy that he is, we can still approach him through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what they are doing. They are approaching Jesus. And what are they approaching him for? They're approaching him to listen to him. One day when I was a kid, um, we didn't, you know, have the cell phones and we didn't have, you know, um, game consoles or which we could talk to our friends through and stuff like that. Um, so in order to connect with my friends, we all just, we would just meet up at Madrona Elementary School in this, they had this giant playground. And so we would just meet up and on weekends and we just, we'd play football and, and, and stuff like that. And so I get my football together, I get on my bicycle and I, and I pedal up to Madrona Elementary School. And I was probably in sixth grade or seventh grade at the time. And so I carry my bike up the stairs and I get to the field. It's a beautiful day. 
and there's not one person there. I'm like, where's all my friends? Like, this, this isn't, like, where? And, and so I just started throwing the football up to myself, and I'm playing, like, catch with myself. And then I look, and, like, kind of out of nowhere comes this man walking, maybe in his, like, 30s, early 30s maybe, late 20s, I don't know. But he comes up to me, and he says, not, do you want some candy? He says, he says, can I throw you a pass? And I said, sure. And so he goes, this, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to run that way. And he points towards Lynn Road, which was east. And he says, count to 10 as you run. And when you get to 10, look over your left shoulder. I said, okay. So he goes, you ready? I go, I go, okay, ready. He goes, go. So there I go. I'm like, one, two, three. And I'm, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. And I get to 10. I look over my left shoulder. And sure enough, there's the ball right there. And it just like, just falls perfectly into my hands. Now, I've never been a good catcher. I'm like a Raiders tight end. Like, I'm not a good catcher, but that ball just fell perfectly right into my hands. And that guy has never thrown a pass to this short kid ever in his life. And then he kind of disappeared. I don't, I don't even remember where he went. He just, I just, he just left. But as I think about that, what, what if... I were to count to eight and just stop. The ball would have gone over me, right? What if I would have gone to 13? The ball would have fallen short. But because I listened to him, it just fell perfectly into my hands. And these tax collectors and sinners are going to Jesus to listen to him. But look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man, this Jesus, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, if you remember the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the ones who had the authority to interpret Scripture. They, had, they, were, they were the ones who, who could tell you what was appropriate in just social circumstances. They were the ones who were uh, in charge of Jewish, the Jewish legal system. And they were complaining about Jesus. Jesus would refer to them as those who are religious on the outside, but not on the inside. And so he tells them, verse 3, he tells them this parable. A parable is just a short story using word pictures. But in a parable, the important thing is not to look at the technicalities, the details, but to look at the attitudes, to holistically look at the big picture of the story with all the parts to to figure out like what, what what is the teller of the parable saying. And you are all invited to fit in somewhere in the story. And so Jesus begins in verse 4. He says, What man among you who has 100 sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost, the lost one, until he finds it? When my wife and I took our 
boys to Knott's Berry Farm. And, and, and I don't remember if I told this story, if I have, forgive me, but uh, we were at Knott's Berry Farm. The boys were, were really little. We, um, we were in Snoopy land and we were going, through, I was pushing this, uh, this portal, this fold up stroller, you know, because we put all of our bags on it, you know. And, and so here I am pushing the stroller, we're going through Snoopy land and I look and I see Tammy and I see Kyle, but we're, Where's Caleb? I, I don't see Caleb. I go, Tammy, have you seen Caleb? She goes, she goes, she looks around, she goes, no. I go, Kyle, you see? No, he doesn't know where Caleb is either. So then we just, we kind of like this panic comes over me and we're like, oh my gosh. And we start kind of like heading back, running back the way that we had come and we're kind of separating out and we're yelling out, Caleb, Caleb, where are you? Caleb, and I'm going, Caleb, where are you? And I'm weaving like kind of zigzagging like a crazy chicken or something through like the crowd and Caleb, where are you? And, and all of a sudden I hear, I'm white here, daddy. And I stop, I go, where, Caleb, where are you? He goes, I'm white here. And I look down. <laughs> He's sitting in the stroller. There's his little blonde head. And I said, Tammy, you guys, Kyle, come back. I found Caleb. And Tammy goes, where was he? In the stroller. Where? In a stroller. And she said with her mouth, nothing. But her eyes said, you nincompoop. <laughs> Which one of you, if he loses one sheep, doesn't go after it and leave the 99. Not saying Jesus was probably most likely implying that the owner of the sheep would leave the 99 in the open field, not for them to go wander, but left them with an assistant or a minor shepherd. And then he goes and takes off. And, and the motive isn't important. We want to believe that, you know, okay, it was because they, he just really cared for the sheep, didn't want it to, to get hurt, feel pain or die. You know, um, it could have been that their motivation was their investment. I mean, 1% of their investment could be just gone, right? So, but the point is, is how determined that this owner was to find his lost sheep. That he intently, actively, perseveringly went after to find the sheep. And sometimes we wander into the wrong pasture. This is point number one. Because we stop abiding in God. We stop abiding. We, we leave the pasture. We leave the shepherd that's taking care of us because we want to make our own choices. We want to make our own decisions we want to go after our own desires. And when a sheep wanders off from its shepherd and the other sheep, it's a very dangerous proposition. It can get caught in thickets. It can fall down a ravine. It can get destroyed by wild beasts. And that's why in Ventura County, just last year, one person every two days on average, died of an overdose. 156 of those people did not in, 
intentionally overdosed. It wasn't suicide. 156 people last year in Ventura County died because they wandered off into a different pasture, one that their shepherd would have said not to take. Every 53 minutes in America, somebody dies because of drunk driving on average. And they say that 56% of all divorces happen because of one person in the marriage being obsessed with pornography. Not that 56% are all directly related to pornography, but two-thirds of divorce attorneys that were polled said that there definitely were a lot of divorces as a direct result of pornography. Wandering into the wrong path, pasture is dangerous. Sin leads to death in some form or another. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, it can lead to death of a relationship. It can lead to the death of innocence. It can lead to the death of someone's trust in you. It can lead to the death of your integrity. It can lead to the death of a blessing that you could have had had you obeyed the voice of your loving shepherd and not wandered into another pasture. We had a habit of losing Caleb. And so we're in Pier 1 Imports in Ventura. It's nighttime. It's dark outside. We're near the front doors. And Tammy notices Caleb's gone. I freak out. I run out the store. I turn. I look around. I don't see Caleb anywhere. I see lights on cars. I see cars moving, people walking. I go. I I run towards Michael's. I'm looking for him. She's in the store looking around. I come back. Have you found him? No. They do uh, over the intercom. They say, Caleb Harvey, if you're in the store, can you please come to the front of the store? I go to the back. I run down to the bathrooms. I look. There's no Caleb. He was hiding between two Persian rugs hanging from the ceiling. Sometimes we wander from the pasture we're supposed to be in because we're hiding from God. Sometimes we we switch that switch in our heart called rebellion and we switch that switch in our mind called he can't see me. Like when you were a a child and, and if the adult couldn't see you, I mean, if you couldn't see the adult, they couldn't see you, right? And we switch that switch in our mind. We say, God can't see me. Because if God can't see me, then God can't see what I'm doing. And if God can't see what I'm doing, God can't know what I'm doing. And if God can't know what I'm doing, I can keep doing what I'm doing. And that's a lot of doing. But God sees even the thoughts that go through your mind. He even sees the intentions of your heart. And because he loves you, he says, stay with me in the right pasture. 
I know that you all have loved ones, relatives or friends who, who, are, who are lost. And, it, and it, it burdens your heart because they're doing things that you know are hurting them. And you want to just shake them and wake them up and say, listen. And you're waiting for that phone call. When one day they'll call and they'll say, oh, you know what? I... I've done it. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I realize how much God loves me. I know that Jesus is the son of God and and my whole life is changing for the better and you can't wait for that day. But until then, pray. Pray that not if, but when they hear the tender voice of God calling to the recesses of their heart and their minds that they'll respond and that they'll be led back to him. I don't know if you guys, can you guys see this chair? Can you see this chair okay? This, th- if I saw this chair in a thrift store for a dollar, I wouldn't buy it. If I saw it in an antique store, I'd wonder why. If you tried to give it to me, I'd say no. Because to me, it, it's kind of ugly. I mean, it's, it's really worn. I don't know if you can see the front, but it's, it's really worn right here. It's been kind of, it's, it's like raggedy. It's the, the button, the cloth's coming off. It's just, it's really, I mean, it, it spins. That's cool, you know, but it's just, um, when we get, lost, when we wander off, we, we kind of, you know, we kind of become like that chair. We get, it's been sitting in my shed collecting dust. It's dirty. We, we, we get to this place. We feel like we're dirty. We're, we're kind of, we're worn. We're, we're tattered. You know, we're disheveled. And, uh, but this is what God thinks of you. Is see, this, this chair Though it looks the way it is, this chair, when my father-in-law right here was working at Sony Studios, they were getting rid of this chair, correct, Terry? Yeah. And so Terry took this chair, and this chair was Shirley Temple's makeup chair. And so my father-in-law gives it to my wife, Tammy, to be her makeup chair, and so if you know anything about actors, this Shirley Temple is a very famous person. And so this chair is special. It has not only sentimental value, but it even has the stamp uh, on the, on the, underneath the chair. It says MGM from way back when they wrote MGM. And then like this number X zero something for their, their items, you know. And, and you... You have the stamp, like we talked about several weeks ago, you have God's image stamped upon your heart because you're meant to live forever. You're meant to love forever. But you're also, remember, God's a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's relationship, and you are also made to be in relationship. And we as a church, this is our flock and we are meant to, to, to live together. And there's protection there. Point number three. Oh, let me do this first. Verse five through six. Let's get through this. When he found, that when the owner of the sheep found the sheep, 
It says he joyfully put it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I looked up thankful. I Googled it. And this is what it says. I don't know if you guys can see that. But it says, pleased and relieved. Webster adds, well-pleased and conscious of the benefit received. God is so well-pleased, so thankful when we abide in him, when we don't hide from him. When one sheep, when one person comes to know him and comes to understand his love for them, Verse seven, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven, more thankfulness in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99, quote, righteous people, people who don't think they need, like the Pharisees and the scribes, God's forgiveness, than over 99 righteous who don't feel like they need repentance. God rejoices over one sinner who humbly surrenders to God's sovereignty, to God's plan for their life. Let's remember to pray for those who we know that are lost. Point number three, last point. When one person comes into God's pasture, all of heaven rejoices. So this Thanksgiving, I just wanted you to remember how thankful God is for you. How thankful God is for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? <sighs> if you are someone who's wandering I would just encourage you, beseech you to just let it go. It's not worth it. I've been there. It's just so much pain. Abide in him. Eat from the pasture you're supposed to eat from. Eat up his, his words. He's given us his scriptures, his words to help us so that we can follow the right shepherd. Obey him and you will catch success for your life. And if you are, you've, you've never known Christ, you've never known God and his love and his son, Jesus, then I beseech you just to, at your own at your own time, just cry out to him and say, God, if you're real, just you know, reveal yourself to me and be open to letting him do that. Or simply surrender your life to him and say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And today, November 24th, I surrender my life to you. And like that phone that just went off, all the angels in heaven and all the hosts of heaven will be singing and rejoicing over you.
Jesus' name, Lord, I pray you bless this congregation this, this week, and may they all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Amen.